0: Welcome. This is Boxed In. Uh, we got a special golf edition this week of who the real goat of golf is. I'm Zach Schwartz. I'm on a show called Dunk Bait. Uh, this is a little bit outside of my purview, so I'll be the judge this week and presiding over this court. The two gentlemen arguing their cases we have Scott Pianowski, who hosts the Yahoo uh, Fantasy Baseball podcast, and Jay Busby here. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Who you be arguing the cases of? You know, let's hear it.
1: All right, I'm going to start. Tom Brady is the GOAT in every sport. even oh, golf. no. <laughs> no, oh, no. I am leading off with Jack Nicholas, the Golden Bear. Now, I have – I'm going to spoil Scott here, but you're probably going to guess his point of view is Tiger Woods. I have written in depth about Jack and Tiger. I've analyzed them. I've interviewed them. And I keep coming back to one point in my discussion of who might be the GOAT. They're 1 and they're 1A, but I keep coming back to one point. And that is that that Jack Nicholas never had a Tiger Woods poster on his wall when he was growing up. Jack Nicholas blazed Mm -hmm. the trail. Tiger Woods followed it. I am sure that Scott will debate me, but I'm going to leave it there for right now. Jack Nicholas was there first.
2: Yeah, well, there's no denying that if you want to go who was the older player, or, you know, who had the earliest debut, You know, Nicholas. <laughs> if, if you want to argue that Mickey Mantle was better than Mike Trout, you can do that too. But <laughs> sports are about evolution, okay? Bigger, faster, stronger. And, and Tiger had to beat a deeper field, a more international field. Because of Nicholas, a lot more people were playing golf. And by the time Tiger came around, just it, it was like the difference between playing in a poker game with 20 people and a poker game with 100 people. There's just so many more people interested in, in golf, it, you know, Tiger made people get in shape. Tiger made people approach the game like a serious sport, not like something that pot-bellied men would do on a uh, leisurely afternoon. So the tour that Tiger had to beat, I feel like, was a lot deeper. And people are going to say, well, you know, Jack beat all these great players. You had a bunch of majors. Again, because the pool was smaller, it wasn't that hard to win a bunch of majors. Tiger had to beat a much more competitive field.
1: Yeah, I would take that point of view, and I would point out that – In terms of Tiger's rivals, okay, he had three main rivals. He had Ernie Ailes, he had Vijay Singh, he had Phil Mickelson. And we can put off Rory McIlroy and Brooks Koepka as as a later generation. None of those guys won more than five majors. Jack, on the other hand, he had to face down Gary Player, Arnold Palmer, Lee Trevino, Tom Watson, guys who granted longer careers than some of these that we're we're still talking about. But on on the whole, it may be a smaller field, but much better players in that smaller field.
2: Again, I I think they look tangentially better because there weren't as many good players around. A game wasn't anywhere near as international. And if we go by moments, and, and I know this is a little bit misleading because Tiger's grown up in the ESPN era and the social media era, but I, I don't even have to like do any research on this. I think about Tiger destroying the masters in 1997, crushing Pebble beach in 2000, the tiger slam hugging his, his caddy Stevie Williams uh, after his father had died when Tiger won the British open, winning the U S open in 2008 on one leg, All those families, the family scene after winning the Masters last year and then, you know, the receiving line of all the players. You don't even have to do research for a Tiger piece. They're all indelible moments in your mind. And the funny thing is, other than the 1986 Masters, most of the Jack Nicklaus things I remember are things that he lost. You know, Watson chipping in at Pebble Beach in 82 or the Duel in the Sun in in 77. I feel like Tiger has left more of an imprint on the game. And again, that's unfair because... He grew up at a time where we're, everything is recorded now. It's basically the Truman Show for all athletes. But I feel like Tiger changed. You know, Jack Jack certainly started all of this, but I feel like Tiger just exponentially changed the way golf is covered, how much money is in golf, how much interest is in golf. I think Jack got the most out of every golf fan. That their experience was heightened because of Jack Nicholas. I think Tiger took people who weren't even golf fans and made them golf fans.
1: I'm going to take your argument there, and I'm going to give you fashion okay i'm going to hand that right over to you tiger looks better on a golf course in his nike gear than jack nicholas ever did you mentioned the 1986 masters we can put a picture of that up jack's wearing a yellow shirt plaid pants he he looks like your grandmother's couch okay there's no way around that there's (laughs) no way around that he's got that little bit of that belly he doesn't have the the abs and and the the pecs like tiger does i'm going to give you all of that but here's the thing Jack and you correctly pointed this out that we didn't we don't see it that much. But Jack was a badass. Jack was a badass of the kind that Tiger would respect. I'm going to take you back to 1962. I'm assuming that none of us were around for this, so I'm going to go and walk us through it. Age 22, U.S. Open at Oakmont. Young kid named Jack nicholas is playing Arnold Palmer in Arnold Palmer's home territory in Pennsylvania, and he goes and in his first U.S. Open there against Palmer. Palmer comes up and suggests, "Hey." Let's split the pot with the, the pot of, of ticket earnings and of ticket revenue. Jack says, no thanks. I'm gonna take it all. He goes out and he beats Palmer in front of a, a completely partisan Arnold Palmer crowd. It's it's like trying to beat Michael Jordan one-on-one at the United Center. It just doesn't happen. He did this at age twenty-two. He had the confidence and the ability to do that. And if that had happened now, if someone did that to Tiger right now, they'd be a legend. But it happened before there was an, there was a sports center or anywhere to remember it. You make a
2: great point that when Jack came into professional golf, he was not the person everybody was rooting for. I mean, he was kind of the bad guy because people love Palmer so much, whereas Tiger was immediately just beloved by, by golf people, by golf media, by golf fans, and he brought a bunch of new fans to the game. So that's Jack had to overcome that. Tiger didn't have to overcome that. But what Tiger did have to overcome, now Jack was obviously a decorated amateur, and a lot was expected of Jack when he went pro. But Tiger was expected to be this revolutionary person, revolutionary golfer. He had, had this huge deal with Nike. His his parents, specifically his father, Earl Woods, had put a tremendous amount of pressure on him. His agents, Hughes Norton, at the time, had just said, you know, Tiger was just going to basically stomp on all these other players. There was so much pressure on Tiger, and I think again, J- Jack was, you know, he came into golf, and people expected a lot. Not that any of us were around to, to see it, but we've read the stories, we've done the the research on that. But how many times does somebody come into athletics with the amount of hype that a Tiger Woods came in with and then actually meet it or exceed it? I mean, we're talking like five or six athletes in the history of sports have ever done that. I think LeBron James did it. I think Wayne Gretzky did it. You could argue Jack did it. But I don't know if anybody had as much pressure as Tiger Woods did when he first teed up a golf ball in 1996. He was supposed to be the end of the world and they end up being the end of the world and all the way back. Gentlemen, I want to ask head to head. Just as far, you know, you both made incredible cases
0: for both so far. But head to head, we had them in their primes. Also, please tell me what year you would define as their prime. If you could kind of like, cause, you know, people always talk about that, that Miami Heat, LeBron was probably peak of his powers. Uh, 72 win Jordan, probably peak of his powers. If you could tell me, you know, year that they would be in their
2: prime and head to head who would win and why they would win. Uh, I'd love to hear that.
1: Scott, I'll give you honors on this whole.
2: Sure, uh, 2000 2001 for Tiger. I mean, that's when the Tiger Slam occurs. It, it got to the point where if you wanted to bet on Tiger, it was it was he's going to win the the tournament or he's not going to win the tournament. And a lot of times you would have to spot odds to bet on Tiger. That's how dominant he was. So, um, you know, as great as Jack Nicholas was, he, he never won four majors in a row. I man, that that's an awfully strong mark in tiger's favor
1: yeah that's a that, that is a, a mark against nicholas if you're looking in terms of strict numbers but i came up with a, a few other ones here that are worth noting in in the 1970s the entire decade of the 1970s in all 40 majors jack finished outside the top 10 only five times five times out of 40 majors that's astounding tiger was out of the top 10 in the 2000s 15 times now granted some of that was because of injury but still Jack had a more reliable run there in the 1970s than Tiger did in the 2000s. And in terms of, of the longevity of their career, if we look outside of just that 2000-2001 or the early 1970s period, Jack's... Jack's prime, which I defined loosely as having two top fives in a major in one year, ran from about 1961 to 1982, 22 seasons. Tigers ran from about 1998 to 2010. You can even stretch it a little further than that, 13 to 15 seasons. So Jack had almost a decade more where he was performing at his prime and and winning or at least finishing the top five of majors on a consistent basis. And also,
2: I'll, I'll give you, because golf is a, is a gentleman's game, I'll even give you another point to your argument. <laughs> Jack Jack had a much better Ryder Cup record than Tiger. I yes. mean, it's not even close. I mean, yes. and, and maybe one of the flaws of Tiger, and I think, I think he's working on this, is when Tiger came into the game, he was a Terminator. He wasn't there to make friends. He wasn't there to give anybody any kind of an edge. He wanted to crush your soul. He wanted to rip your heart out and, and trample on it. And I think we're seeing the woods. My favorite Tiger Woods is not the 97 Woods. They're not the 2000 Woods. It's the today Woods. It's the the Tiger after that last Masters win, celebrating with his family. His kids got to see him play at a high level, which they had never really seen before. Of course, his mom was still there, and then he goes down and, and you see him connecting with all these young players: Justin Thomas and Brooks Koepka and Xander Shoffley, who all love Tiger. And I think Tiger's finally realized. Look at the Presidents Cup, a tournament I generally don't pay a lot of attention to. Last December, it's just not the Ryder Cup. Nothing really is the Ryder Cup. Tiger really. Relished being the captain and connecting with the guys and and going out and supporting his teammates. He'd never really been much of a teammate. He'd always been the solo, you know, uh, lone gunman, so to speak. And now I think we see Tiger kind of in his later years. He could still win. I mean, he won the last Masters they they held. He still won it. He'll probably be the favorite when they tee it up again. I guess this fall, but. I'd like To me, the, my favorite Tiger is when he's emotional, when he when he hugs Stevie at the British Open, when he broke down after winning the Masters in 2019. And now that he's in such a good place in his personal life and such a good space mentally and he has some connections on tour, nobody can deny what he's done. His legacy as, as a golfer has already been written. It's just a matter of whether or not he catches Jack or not. I think he's such in a good place emotionally right now, although he doesn't have the game to win as often as he used to. And, and there's going to be some courses that aren't great tracks for him right now. I think he has a chance to get to 18. I would have said two or three years ago, open and shut case. He's got no chance to get to Nicholas. But now, combined, he's still in great shape. I mean, he was striping the ball in that match on Sunday. And, and if he's beating the GOAT Tom Brady, I mean, maybe Tiger's just to go to ball sports. You bring on Michael Jordan and we can just settle this thing once and for all. But I think Tiger's in such a good place mentally right now. And and he's got that camaraderie on the tour that he's never really had before. I think that's going to speak well to what he does for the next five or six seasons.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And if we were having this conversation in 2023, which hopefully we will be out of lockdown by then, I think that we might be having a very different and one-sided conversation. And Tiger goes on to to pass Jack in terms of majors, even get closer. I think that you have to give him the edge. I think what's fascinating about the way that he is, is, is in your uh, eyes so much more of a, of an emotional or a fuller player it's because he's letting more of himself show. If, if there was a last dance of Tiger right now, we would have very little footage to go on unless he unless he opened up in a way that he hasn't before. Whereas with Jack, the problem would be getting him to shut up because he does nothing but talk about <laughs> himself, his game, his perspective on the sport, his his views of other players. They're completely different. They're night and day in terms of how they approach the media and and their own public persona, but you're right, Tiger. It does seem to be taking steps more in that Jack direction. I think that's a win for golf fans everywhere. And I just argued against myself. Damn it! All right, I like I we're terrible at <laughs> this. We're
2: terrible <laughs> at this, Jay. We're just. I feel like I'm, I'm giving you a 15 foot pot and then you're giving me like a 17. Good, right. good We're, we're <laughs> yeah. being
1: cordial here. This is a nice, polite debate.
0: This is very nice seeing how well you guys are doing this debate. It's very cool to see that you're being so kind to each other. <laughs> I do want to bring up a bit of the. Stuff that happened off the course for Tiger. I just I'm curious. It doesn't wait in my book as the judge, but I am curious if you guys think at all. Some of the off the course stuff should wait at all against his goat sort of
2: status. Sure. Um, You know, I'm an empath, so I got to admit that it it tweaks me a little bit. I was not married to Tiger Woods. So the fact that he wasn't maybe the best husband when he was married, I mean, you know, I didn't make a vow with him. He doesn't owe me anything. Some of the things that would get to me, though, when, when I heard that um, it was really important for Mark O'Meara to have Tiger at his World Golf Hall of Fame inauguration and, and Tiger didn't, didn't make it, and I, I think that really hurt O'Meara. Uh, there's been some stories like that that have come out. Uh, I've read the unauthorized biography of, of Tiger Woods that was written by Armin Kataian and some really interesting stuff in there. I, I think it's just a case of, look. Tiger was was raised by very demanding parents and a ton of pressure was on him and, and he was expected to win and to dominate and he was at times discouraged. You know, I remember when he had the scandal and then he came back to the Masters, he was trying initially at that first Masters to be more personable, sign more autographs, show more of himself and I believe it was his agent, Mark Steinberg, who said, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're here to beat people. You're not here to, to make friends and kind of discouraged Tiger from going that route. I think it's taken Wood's a, a while to get to where he's at now. But I, again, I think he's in a great headspace now and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And, and I think we're going to look back in five, six, eight, ten 10 years and think, you know, he figured it out. He got to a place where he was happy being who he was because none of us, you know, we, we saw him in the Jordan doc, it really underscores how Michael Jordan has to be on his entire life. I mean, he just, he, you can't do anything. He can't go to McDonald's. He can't go to a movie theater, I mean, unless he buys every ticket. You know, he can't just do general stuff without people wanting a piece of him. And Tiger's had to live that same life, too. And I think it's the first time he's truly been comfortable in his own skin. So, you know, again, you know, some of the stuff that happened in the middle of his career, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I, I don't want to act like he did anything wrong to me because, you know, I, it's not like he let me down in any way, but – I think it took him a while to realize the person he wanted to be and just how to handle celebrity and fame and and balance some of those things out. So I, I respect the person he's come to be today.
1: Yeah, what's a fascinating question is how much of that th- that he was, how much you, of that relentless drive for victory and and keeping his own double life going back in the, in the 2000s, how much of that played into the way that he played? I mean, how much of that? Is it necessary to be that much of a bastard in order to win that much? All you need to do is look at someone like Phil Mickelson, who clearly, clearly looks like he's having a much better time every time he steps out on the golf course, and yet he's lacking some of those key wins, that that signature U.S. Open win. It's dangerous to go and speculate that that Mickelson doesn't have the killer instinct that Tiger has, but clearly someone like like Mickelson has a fuller life or had a fuller life than Tiger Woods did at the time. I think that's what makes Nicholas so impressive, is that he was able to have the got these lives that, that existed outside of golf. He had his design business. He had, he would fish all the time. He's got 400 golf courses to his credit. He had, by all accounts, a model family life with, with children and, and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So it makes it that much more impressive that he was able to go and, and put all of those wins on the board while still maintaining an active life outside of golf. But yeah, we will never solve that problem or that question of whether or not Tiger Woods was better because he was, was so relentlessly focused, but it is obvious that he is, he is much more of a personable and, and together individual right now.
2: That's one of the most fascinating questions in sports is does Barry Bonds have to have the personality he had as a player to reach his maximum potential? Did, did Roger Clemens have to be wired the way he was and a lot of times when I think of athletes like that, I hope they have the Ted Williams arc, that maybe they're a little bit misunderstood or a little bit aloof when they're playing. But then at some point they realize, you know, people just want to love you. People just, it, Ted Williams got it, okay? At one point he realized people just want to look at you and admire you and say, hey, man, you you were an unbelievable fighter pilot, unbelievable fisherman, and the best hitter I ever saw. Let me love you for for 10 seconds. And Ted got it in the second part of his life. And I hope Barry gets there. I hope Clemens gets there. And I get, I think Tiger's realizing it that the human connections he's going to have for the second part of his life are probably going to be a lot more fulfilling than, than maybe some of the golf victories that he scored.
0: Gentlemen, I'm going to ask for your closing arguments here. We, I really appreciated that last second. I thought you guys both kind of explained the complexities of Tiger in such a wonderful way. Uh, closing arguments, kind of keep them tight, uh, and uh, we'll get to the judgment shortly thereafter. So closing arguments, please. Uh, I'm going to let Jay open with the final argument.
1: All right. I'm going to b- break it down with just two numbers, 18-15. Golf boils down to majors no matter what. The Patriots won 18 games in 2007, but we only remember the last one. No one knows how many regular season games that Michael Jordan won in his career. We all know that he won six rings. Jack has 18 majors. Tiger has 15 That's the ultimate measure of goatness for right now.
2: Again, I have to say that the playing fields just weren't the same. The Tiger beat much stronger fields. His story isn't over yet. I think right now I think the odds of him winning another major is very strong. But he just – he beat much stronger fields and he just changed golf from kind of a niche sport to a sport that was so much more interesting to casual fans or even to non-golf fans. You look at the the TV ratings when Tiger plays and when he doesn't play totally night and day. You look at how much the purses have exploded – I think Jack took the baton and ran it a long way. But I think Tiger grabbed that baton and is, you know, if Jack ran 10 miles with it, I feel like Tiger ran 50 miles with it and to the benefit of golf. I guess it's my turn now to make the judgment. I have to say, so I've gotten to do these a few times more from
0: the arguing standpoint. This is the first time as judge. Normally, the person I'm on here with, we were really just mudslinging by the end. (laughs) You, You both absolutely masterclass. Wonderful. You didn't cut each other down. I thought you both made really great points. This is really hard for me. So I, I, as a basketball fan, am kind of of the belief that LeBron will end up being the goat and that LeBron kind of should be the goat. So coming into this, I will say I was very strongly leaning towards tiger being the goat with that being said, I think from a perspective of right now in this current situation, jack has to be the goat the numbers are unfortunately skewed that way i agree with what you said scott as far as it being a little bit different of a product he's not competing against guys that are you know certain players look like you know brooks Kepka. there's no one that looked like brooks Kepka was playing when jack played but unfortunately the number of the number of majors uh and the wins that um the number of wins that uh, Jack has is what kind of is going to give him that title as well as, and we we didn't really get to talk about this, but the number of golf courses that he kind of designed and the everlasting impact that those will have on the sport. With that being said, I really appreciated the argument about purses and all of that. But for me, it's uh it's, it's gotta be Jack. I I feel like I also uh, owe it to history as, as a young individual. I can't go in and say it's tiger too. You know, (laughs) there's a little bit of that in here, but I really appreciated the cases you guys uh, made and and thought this was wonderful. Where can people kind of find you? What are you guys working on? What do you got to plug? um, If you guys want to close out with some of that stuff.
1: Well, first of all, I would strongly recommend that. Thank you, judge. And thank you, Scott. Um, I would recommend that you uh, skip right over the article that I have written for a forthcoming series in which I argue that Tiger Woods was the GOAT. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so tough to make this argument. Scott will agree with me. It's 1 and 1A. One and, and the way that I've, I've always put it, I get to ask this question all the time. The way that I put it is simple. If I had one, if, if, if there was someone with the proverbial one putt to save my life, I would go with Tiger. But one tournament win to save my life, I would go with Jack. So that's it, it's, it's such a tough uh, argument to break down. I'm doing everything. Just find me on Twitter at Jay Busby, and I will probably be writing about your favorite sport before very long.
2: Yeah, uh, you can catch me on Twitter too, Scott underscore Pianowski. And as far as what I'm working on, I should have mentioned this earlier because I might have swung this argument I hit a bunch of wedges and hybrids this morning, so I was on the range. I was grinding out my own game. I don't. I don't know that Busby was was doing anything with his. I know Busby's made a par at Augusta, so you yes. know he's Two. got me on that. Two pars. Uh, you, you're ahead of me there, but um, yeah, I've been working on my own golf game and working on my fantasy game. So um, you know, whatever it is. Fantasy golf, fantasy basketball, fantasy baseball, fantasy football. Uh, I'll try to help you out. Scott underscore Pianowski.
0: Scott, you should have undercut him and just thrown the fact that, that he wrote the article. He's working on the article, really pushed him under the bus.
1: <laughs> Maybe the
2: mudslinging could have helped a little bit there. Uh, well, You're I, I, not a sports writer until you, until you contradict yourself. I, I do right. it all the time. You know, I, mean, I put out these sets of rankings and then I go into a draft and it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, Derrick Henry ranked seven slots lower, and I'm drafting him now. That doesn't make any sense. So you're not a sports writer in, until you've totally, totally contradicted yourself.
0: Well, thank you guys for the time. I'm Zach Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter uh, at ZachZachZach, Zach, Zach, C-A-C-H. This is Boxton. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Yahoo Sports. Uh, and follow us on uh, Twitter at Yahoo Sports and on Instagram at Yahoo Sports. Thank you guys for the time, and uh, this is a pleasure being your guys' judge. You Made it really, really easy to sit back. I didn't have to break it up. I didn't have to threaten anyone in here. This is this is lovely. So thank you. you guys know, for You know, time. Zach,
2: when when a Ryder Cup match is tied after eighteen, they call it a half. You, you could have called this a half, and nobody would have complained. I,
0: yes. <laughs> so I, I, I,
2: my, my um challenge of this, my, my protest of this, my appeal of this case will will be filed by the end of
1: the afternoon. <laughs> I'm Mike Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering DC scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts, and be sure to follow us on social media at Pod.